Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, where we speak with heart-centered thought leaders who are curious, conscious, and exploring pathways to freedom. And today in studio, I'm here with the brilliant Joan Steffen. <laughs> well, that's a lot to live up to, but thank you. <laughs> oh, no, you are. Um, inside and out. And um, Joan, thank you for being in yeah. studio. Uh, no problem. I mean, how could I turn it down? You're talking about sovereignty. It's like my life work. You know? I, kind of all of ours, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. when you become aware of it, then it's like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm here for. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, I yeah, that's a great, great great opening because I know there was there's lots of moments in my life where I was unaware that I was even restricted or held back yeah. or, or limited. But maybe you had that feeling of like being buffeted by the world in some way, you know, like, totally. Like, oh, I have to go over and do this. I have to do that. I should do that. I had, oh, I feel so out of control. Oh, I'm so unhappy. Why am I unhappy? I mean, those mm-hmm. kinds of buffetings, it feels like are just kind of part of our process growing up. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then how do, how do you find ways through that so that it's not, we're not doing actions out of, I have to, I shoulds. Oh man. That I is need hard. to. I still find myself bumping up oh, against that. Absolutely. I oh. mean, that's something that I would like to say. I, sovereignty is my life work in many ways, and I am not good at it all the time. I'm really, <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think I will ever be good at it all the time. So you could call me out on hypocritical actions and things like that regularly if you wanted to, but it's my goal all the time. Yeah. You know, it's a, t- <laughs> it's, it's my hope all the time. Yeah. And I know I fail fabulously yeah. in moments and that's as part a of person, the as a parent, you yeah. know, sometimes I'm just like, oh, please just do what I say. Right. Right. But I really want right. you to think for yourself. Right. 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 I want you to, you know, that's, that's a really weird little thing that a lot of us fall into. It's like, I want you to be who you are, but could you be just a little more like me? Because it'd be easier for me if you right. were a little more like, look at how awakened I am. You should be more like me. <laughs> right. And yet everyone's awakening process is so unique and authentic to them. I mean, that took me a while to fully grasp because I think I had been so conditioned or buffeted to use that that word to like there's a prescribed awakening process, you know, through my upbringing upbringing and religion or, you know, through school, like Mm -hmm. there's this path. And while there are paths that have been tried and worked for many there's not just one. Like there's so many right. pathways to the same yeah. point. Which... And may I add, there's not just two. Yeah, there's, there's multiple. Because <laughs> it feels like we've just chosen as a world. It's like there are two pathways to wherever you're going. It's like right? the one that I like and the one that you hate. You know, right. or something, you know, I, well, or, and that's that duality, I, yeah, that, yeah. that that polar, polarization, mm-hmm. right, that I feel like we're being invited to move out of. Mm-hmm. Oh, invited very strongly. But I mean, it still feels also very present. And and if I could, like it crosses my mind, I should really say um, sovereignty is my life work. But as far as a definition of sovereignty goes, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it also includes being connected to all that is and all the other people who are attempting to be sovereign as yeah. well. So it's a really complex subject. It's like for myself, like 
if I had no connection to other people, sovereignty would really come easily, I think, you know, yeah. if I didn't have to worry about anybody else and how I was perceived and, and how my actions impacted somebody else. But sovereignty is complicated because it, it includes sovereignty for everybody in the thought of sovereignty. Yeah. Because it can't just be you. It's like a win-win wins. Right. But also like many, many lines that you can't figure out where they are. They're constantly mm-hmm. moving. You know, like, like you know, I have I have two children and I have four grandchildren and and I'm constantly trying to figure out where I am and where they are and where my responsibility is to them. I don't want to say obligation, but the responsibility, you know, and so I'm constantly drawing and redrawing boundaries for myself. It's like a little bit of gerrymandering, probably, you know, (laughs) a little more for me, a little more for you. Right. Well, and I think um, I heard someone uh, who was interviewing for a position at a school say, you know, when things are fair, they're not always equitable. Right. And I think that's what you're getting at in terms of like, you know, each person needs something different. Yeah. To and when I think about sovereignty and some of the um things I experience when I'm more in that realm, mm-hmm. um, I feel more kind of seated in my authenticity. Mm-hmm. Less you know, the shoulds or the stress or the overwhelm isn't Right. It doesn't mean it's easy. Like it's not easy to be in sovereignty. It's not easy to be in authenticity. Right. Um, but I feel like I have, I'm like, I can be in a more higher level thinking and feeling state to see yeah. kind of more of the picture uh-huh. versus just the wall or the like up close, like, you know, yeah. like uh, where my vision is more restricted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sovereignty is an interesting word, though. I really appreciate you starting a discussion on it because it. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere and you're being challenged to find it through almost everything in your life if you look at it through that lens totally and i think too we've been i know i have so conditioned to instead of going within Mm -hmm. to kind of discern and and listen to that more inner wisdom voice it's like i know for most of my upbringing it was like the authorities tell you this. Yes. And if, you know, the authority being whether it's a teacher or a doctor or, you know, mm-hmm. someone someone who has power and control yeah. over me tells, you know, me that this is how it is done. Mm-hmm. And then you follow, you know, I liked to follow the rules because I didn't like to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but and, I also like that you broke a few. And I broke a few. <laughs> um, so... You know, it's tricky. Yeah. And I grew up being that girl, too. Yeah. You know, where you, I, I... Until rem- it was, like, too... It's too painful. Until it's too painful. Yeah, exactly. Or causing too much self-harm yeah. or harm of others. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm grateful that I was able to respond to that because mm-hmm. I... Without judgment, I really am trying to be without judgment on this, but I look around the world and it feels like there are a lot of people in extraordinary amounts of pain Mm -hmm. and not responding to it and not choosing a little bit more of self um, Mm -hmm. rather than just saying, no, I can handle the pain Mm -hmm. of 
of not being seen, of not being mm-hmm. understood, of not being heard. Or of being judged or of because being judged. you're choosing a little bit more of your authenticity and self. Yeah, yeah. So that it's it's no longer at the cost of me. Right, right. Because if it's at the cost of me, I'm not in my, like, brightest potential. Mm-mm. And then that spills out on others mm-hmm. in a way that... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like that cleanup. <laughs> no, no. I remember I remember um when the pain got just to be too great and um Yeah, maybe we should oh, tell the listeners just what? a little bit more. Like you Who the heck am I? <laughs> the, I mean that's the the perennial <laughs> question for all of us to know thyself, right? Yeah. But um one of the roles you've had I feel like so many lifetimes in a lifetime yeah i'm a gemini i gotta do a lot of things apparently oh yeah i'm a rising gemini (laughs) um i get you (laughs) on that front um but is and and maybe this is where you were going when the the pain got too great but Mm -hmm. um is you were on the news for many years i was yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, I. Um, or is that where you were going with that? Yeah, no, 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 but that's fine. I, um, well, maybe just tell us a little bit about that, and let's yeah, come back to totally. Um, well, <laughs> because one of, one of my one of my I grew up in Cambridge, Minnesota. <laughs> right? No, but you no, did, but that, and but that is part of the story. It's a part of the indoctrination. It's part of the education of Joan and the education of everybody. Is you know, you grew up where you grew up. You listened to what you heard. I mean, uh, what's uh, what's his name? Bruce Lipton, Doctor Bruce Lipton. I mm-hmm. mean, it's so com- it, to me, it feels so commonplace to say this right now, but a lot of people don't know. Like the first seven years of your life, you're just a tape recorder. You're pretty yeah. much a tape recorder you have no sense of like oh is that the right way to do something or is that the wrong way to do something you just look at what's happening in front of you whether it be your parents relationship whether it be how children are treated whether it be um, the educational system and how um, it molds you into something that goes along to get along uh, you you're a you're a tape recorder it's theta state brainwaves, I yeah. think. And, um, I think you're right. So that becomes your operating system, your subconscious. It becomes your operating system. So you have a, a fully functional operating system in place by the time you're seven years old. That's why the Jesuits used to say, uh, give me a boy until he's seven and I'll show you the man. Hmm. You know, it's so it, they it's have not, they have a heavy they have a heavy indoctrination a heavy <laughs> indoctrination and a lot of um, things that need to heal in that yeah tradition as most of the big structures do mm-hmm. right now. So I'm I, I mean I'm excited about that, but I'm ex, I'm excited for people to to understand that. Sometimes that little voice inside of you that tells you you're wrong, you're ugly, you're not good enough, that may come from the judgment of that subconscious programming that happened by the time you were seven, which most of us don't have a lot of memories, actual memories before the time of seven. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of a lot of time is, you know, you're, you it's can forgotten. train your, you can train yourself to go back to it. Right. Right. But you're but, right. But you're, you what's operating you is largely subconscious. And it's totally and it's partly that survival mode of like, I need to survive my environment. So I need to be a sponge. Yes. And yes. good or bad. That was me. And all in between. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, 
And then if it was a more toxic environment or a more challenging environment, there is more to heal of that egocentric conditioning that gets laid in that those foundational mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And those that egocentric conditioning can really run the show. Like, yeah. All those false beliefs that yeah. get placed. And sometimes it's almost like there's a uh, false belief within a trap, within a false belief, within a trap. So like um, just a, an example in my life, I was not I was I was basically not given a, a voice. I was told that I shouldn't have a voice, being a female um, and the youngest. And I, you know, but um, but then if I would speak out in any way, then the trap for me was shame over having hurt someone or for speaking out. So sometimes you find those those traps in your behavior, mm. and um, and then it becomes. <laughs> another complex thing to take a look at and 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 you know hopefully heal right. but you got to see it before you heal it um but yeah back to, um back to me uh, <laughs> yeah. well no but i mean it's like the, but that that's an important thing cuz i think a lot of times we spend and like the general we myself included mm-hmm. can spend a lot of time pushing pain away oh gosh yes and and yeah and Doing all things to avoid the pain when actually going into it with some support yeah. and courage mm-hmm. and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Pain is pain is your signifier that something's out of balance. Yeah, that and there's missing. Actu- and there's actually a lot of gold to be found there. It's yeah. like, why am I in pain? What mm-hmm. happened? Mm-hmm. And was that true? Mm-hmm. And have I been walking around with that story for a long time? Right. And can I actually interrupt the story mm-hmm. and lay a different foundation? Right. Um, so, yeah. So you're in Cambridge, Minnesota. Yeah. You're growing up. Yep. You're told not to speak. Yeah. I mean, I was a very beautiful uh, family, or, but a know. stoic Swedish family. You mm-hmm. don't show emotions. I was a really emotional kid. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just my nature, mm-hmm. you know? I, if I felt something, I cried, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was not acceptable. So it was a it was a consistent idea of of hide who you are, hide who you are, only show the parts that are acceptable to the whole, the family as a whole, and that was um, more uh, mechanical work. My dad was a construction superintendent. My mom had been a farmer, and she was just a hard worker. And my sister was an engineer. Um, that kind of mindset growing mm-hmm. up even. And I wanted to tap dance. <laughs> you know, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm the imaginative one. I want to I want to read. I want to, you know, lollygagging was one of my favorite activities. <laughs> it, that, is, that one should be brought back. <laughs> it should be. Um, a little yeah, less. So, so you just grow up feeling like um, something's wrong with me, you know. And I think a lot of us do that if you don't happen to fit into your family paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went. I went looking for it. Um, not consciously looking for it, but just, uh, you know, I did theater. I thought and that was a good outlet because I could be emotional. Yeah. You know, and people seemed to like it when I was emotional yeah. on stage. <laughs> so I did that. A good outlet. Yeah. You see, that's that's what we call like, you know, that's that's like finding a good spot for yeah, yeah. something that maybe wasn't totally accepted. Exactly. So it was kind of wise on some subconscious level. Yeah. But and then I. Um, We're going to. We're going to pause oh, and, sure. and come back. No problem. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and Joan Steffen in studio. And we'll continue the conversation on how we become who we become and explore sovereignty and pathways to freedom.
Lauren Sovereignty with Elizabeth and Joan Stefan today talking about pathways to freedom and how we courageously undo who we think we are to become our authentic selves and step more and more into sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking with Joan, who spent many years, I mean, she's done so much more than what we've even gotten to, but many years um, being in the media and in the news yeah. and um, how she got there. And then that awakening process of like, hold on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to tuck people in with the ingredient of fear, yeah. which is a, that line has always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and I know that was a profound part of a pivotal moment in your journey, yeah. um, being on the evening news and, and having that. So, so bring us, so we're, so we're in Cambridge, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> you're, I'm doing the theater. I'm you're doing the theater. You're tap dancing as best you can. <laughs> you found a place um, inside your Stokes Swedish family uh-huh. to, you found a place outside of your Stoic Swedish family to be expressive and emotive and right. get a reception for it. Whereas within the family, it was sort of like, can you just be a little less that? A little less you, that wouldn't be, (laughs) that would be okay. That would make it a little bit easier for all of us. And I mean, I've done, I'm not proud of it. I've had moments of that as a parent myself where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm so sorry, kids, if you're listening Um, or, (laughs) or other kids, if you're listening, you know, parents don't mean it. You do the best you can with what you have in that moment. And, and yet there's so much in the subconscious that can be playing in the background tape that can be triggering a parent or triggering a person that yes. is informing that present moment yeah. before that kid and that interaction. So I think parents need to forgive themselves for those <laughs> elements because I mean with it's not like it's not like this fully formed perfected parent no. is parenting uh, a child who's becoming themselves. It's a, a wounded, somewhat traumatized, mm-hmm. confused human being who's trying to, you know, <laughs> guide someone else. It's just you're bound to have those moments well, where you feel like, "Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish that wasn't in their psyche now." Totally. Yeah. And and sometimes Sometimes when I'm in an unconscious moment, it's like I'm also parenting me at that age. Exactly. Like, I know what I did at that age. Yep. I don't want that to happen for you. Yeah. Or I wish I had had these parameters mm-hmm. in place that would have prevented that from happening for me. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, they aren't us. They are not us. I don't know. What, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I think I finally got that memo, but, you know, <laughs> always can hear it again. Now that they're graduating. Right? <laughs> One is graduating <laughs> high school, and I still got um, three more coming up the line. Wow. But – yeah, what well, we were talking about, I mean, yeah, so. everything was, ex- to me, I was looking externally. That was my that was my modus operandi, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm in pain. There must be something that I can do differently externally. So I would look for, you know, theaters. I studied at Warner Brothers. I went to uh, a broadcasting school, Brown Institute, mm-hmm. you know, looking for things that would give me that external feeling of like, you are somebody, you deserve you matter. to be here, mm-hmm. you know, who you, you know, the gifts you have matter. Um, so I, yeah, I got into television news and, um, and, uh, for a brief period of time, it felt kind of good, you know, because you feel like, oh, I, I accomplished something in the world that I came from. Mm-hmm. I, I accomplished something by being a news anchor for 17 years, but literally 
from the first day, there was this niggling thought in my head. I started out in Duluth, and uh, the first story I was asked to cover was a house fire in Superior, Wisconsin. And I remember, you know, screaming across the high bridge to Superior with this photographer and um, the the first vision I saw, oh God, see, the first vision I saw was um, firemen carrying a, a baby oh. out of the out of the house, and um, and I'm supposed to come back and I'm supposed to report on this as a you know a fire and mm. also you know trade on people's heartstrings and you know mm-hmm. which I don't know it just it, right away I thought like I'm not cut out for this but I stayed for 17 years in part. I think because I thought that was that was going to give my life meaning in some mm-hmm. way, you know. And there were wonderful things that happened there, and I was able to tell stories that I appreciated and stories that didn't have to do with fear. But by the time I was thirty-eight, the knocking was so loud on my heart that I couldn't stay there. Mm-hmm. I just c- couldn't. Um, so I just started. Uh, I was doing manifesting work before I even knew what manifesting work was. Mm-hmm. I started feeling like. What I want to do, I want to feel joyful to go to work. I want to feel laughter when I go to work. I want people to to feel better after they've seen, you know, whatever I do. And then I ended up on – I went to a – this is a manifesting thing. I, I ended up going to a book um, club meeting that I'd never been to before and never went again and was offered the job on Decorating Sense on HGTV that night. So it's like, okay. Wow. So now I go go do that and it's fun and it's and it's lighthearted and I get to have fun and um all those things but you know, but the pounding was still there. It's like something's not right, something's not right. And and um that's when I ended up writing the book that I I yeah, it have. It's called um it's called And She Sparkled and I wrote it not as a book. I wrote it for myself to remind me of my life and it came out as a metaphor i did not I, it came through me i did not write it i'm yeah. very clear on that um it's a beautiful book and, thank and you. it's a beautiful like book to give anyone who needs like that remembrance yeah. or like that encouragement that that light matters that that sparkle matters that yeah like even if you get pushed down like you can bring it back yeah you, you can, came you in can as course somebody. correct. Yeah, you can course. You can. Yeah, I don't want to say course correct. That almost sounds. But you can choose different. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that lifted m- me out of this idea that I needed to, I needed to be something other than I was, and then all of a sudden the journey became internal rather than external. And mm. you know, do you remember that that feeling of when you just discovered that? There was a whole other direction to go in, and it was like you could not read enough books. You could not yes. listen to enough speakers. You were so excited to to remember who you were. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's so much fun. It and, is, and, and it, it can be really intimidating. Yeah, because um, the world isn't really excited about you doing it. Well, not always, because <laughs> no. it requires change. Like, it's like, well, what I said yes to doesn't fit me anymore. Right. And right. I need to start maybe saying some no's or some yeah. maybe's or get curious and shift the mm-hmm. ingredients with which I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. And that's not always easy. No. I mean, there's a line in the book. It's like <laughs> other people were not – I can't do it verbatim, but other people weren't excited by the shift because they come to – they'd grown used to her the way she used to be. And now she was actually 
you know, holding herself a little taller and asking for what she needed. And um, so that it's a story about the boat, baby. It does. It's a story (laughs) about sovereignty, actually. Yeah, it is a story about sovereignty. And it's um, it it changed my life. And I'm not saying that I'm as I said before, I'm, I'm nowhere near perfection because I thought that at one point when I wrote the book, like, oh, now I know. I'm good. I'll be fine for the rest of my life. But but <laughs> but, but it's more of a, a blueprint to keep coming back to and back to and back to to say, okay, what am I letting into my life that that um, doesn't serve me hmm. and therefore serve others through me? Hmm. And and, you know, how can I how can I view myself differently? How can I act differently? How can I think more like who I am as opposed to the group think. I mean, it's really hard not to be in group think in this world and especially now. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think, um, I think, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. that um, group think has been used uh, fear based. Like it's like put everyone in a sense of fear mm-hmm. and then tell them how to think. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, if we can interrupt what we're afraid of, whatever that is for each of us, mm-hmm. and start to get curious and and move from that fight, flight, lower, fear-based brain part of ourselves and really drop into the heart center and kind of higher to mid-thinking, it's, it, you can start to see that, like, I mean, I, I've had to have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm not meant to necessarily, I don't think any of us are. To fit into a group. I'm meant to belong and to be in connection with people. When but, you say fit in, you're, you're talking about like shaving off a little bit of this yeah. so you can fit, shaving off a little bit of that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, and, um, and I spent so many years trying to fit in. Oh, God, yeah. Because I wanted that sense of belonging. Yes. But I also think there's this delicate balance of belonging and growth and sometimes when we're growing we realize like that's that doesn't fit me anymore Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make those connections any you know less but it does transform and and shift that maybe those connections aren't the same level of importance Mm -hmm. right yeah no i that's that's been um i guess a challenge for me in my life because I always wanted to belong to. I yeah. always I mean that was a really strong motivation for me and I and I shaved off like dramatic amounts of myself mm-hmm. in, me or, too. in order to belong um and never never felt that sense of oh, I can rest easy here. Mm-hmm. No because you always feel like you're missing like it's that knocking mm-hmm. you know that you're mm-hmm. talking like, I think part of it is that knocking you were talking about of like Oh, it, there has there's more. Mm-hmm. There's more to me. There's more to what I'm being invited to do. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, you know, in segment one, there's that moment of deep pain, and, and mm. I, I jumped. No, I that's thought, okay. I thought you were, but do you wanna? Do you wanna? I don't wanna. Yeah. Well, I mean, lose I, that thread. I think that I think I think pain is pain is the motivator for mm-hmm. so many of our shifts. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you think, look at it logically, if you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. If you're complacent, you are not looking to change. You're looking to enjoy. And mm-hmm. that's an awesome place to be. Mm-hmm. But when pain shows up, it's not there to punish you. I don't – I mean in my life. I can only speak yeah. for my life. No, yeah. it, I, 
it's not there to punish you, but it is there to grow you in some you direction, wake me up. Um, and I can point to so many different places of pain. Uh, in fact, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I have thought about writing a book called I'm a Selfish Quitter because it's um, – I'll read it. Okay. Because, because that I can point to so many point paints in my life where I, I – I, I just didn't know what to do, how to how to serve the society that told me that I, I wasn't supposed to quit, but also serve myself. And finally, I became selfish enough to quit because of the pain. And I mean, I can point to a few. I, I quit college. Um, it was too painful for me. It didn't suit my nature. Mm. Um, I, I went there and I took every class I was interested in and I left. Um, dramatic, dramatic reactions from people with that they didn't like it. It, but, but I remember the sense of freedom that I mm. had when I drove away from college. Um, and I was there for three years, so I got a lot of stuff. But you know, I just it was like but I wasn't going to listen to the the prescription. That's pretty brave, because I mean, how did you come to that moment of like I don't need that? Like, you know, culturally. There's a lot of programming that goes into yeah. you should be in higher education. Yeah. That is the next step. This yeah. is your success ladder. Yeah. And I was ashamed, suitably ashamed, but I also felt freedom that overrode that. Which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so what did you do next? <laughs> That's when um, I, I did summer stock theater and then I went, went out to L.A. And I, um, and I studied at Warner Brothers for a while and they very quickly discovered that I was not tall and blonde and beautiful. <laughs> And, and it was like, well, this isn't going anywhere. Um, and then I came home and I went to Brown Institute and studied broadcasting. So I was just I was casting my nets, you know, around yeah. looking for places that didn't feel painful for me. But, but you know, I I, I got married. I got I, I ended up feeling because I thought that was a solution. If I got married, that would be another step on the pathway that is prescribed for you. That constitutes success. Um, that didn't work out except for that I have a wonderful, beautiful daughter from the relationship. But I became so – it was so painful. I ended up having to quit that. Mm. Um, it became painful at CARE 11 um, because I could not – as I you referenced, I, I felt like I was tucking people into bed at night with a blanket of fear. It's like, here you go. The world's a terrible place. Sleep well. <laughs> and, and I couldn't do it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and then I ended up quitting HGTV as well. Um, I, I, but every time I quit something, I became more of myself. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying I shouldn't have done that, those, any of those things, but, but freedom was the result of every one of those quits. You know? Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> quitting, quitting, quitting. quitting. Be, 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 be a quitter. Be a quitter. Indeed. <laughs> Especially if it gains you more freedom. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and Joan Steffen, and we will be right back. with Elizabeth and Joan Steffen in the studio today and why being a quitter works for sovereignty. Uh, 
<laughs> let's dive back into this because it is countercultural. It is very to be a quit to be a quitter. Well, you think about what you tell your kids. You signed up for softball. You better stick with it. You signed up for you know piano lessons. You better keep going. Uh, I mean, I remember when I quit track in high school, yeah. and my um, I mean that was unheard of in my family paradigm, right? Like yeah. My family paradigm was everyone does everything one hundred and ten percent. You a plus things. Yeah. And the reason you a plus it is because then nothing bad will happen to you. Well. Horrible things were happening, right? Like, right. But that was our um, coping, you know, that was the sort of mode of apparatus yeah. in the culture that I was in. And most most people's culture yeah. really looks down upon the idea of quitting. And one of my older brothers said, well, you can't quit. Quitters never win and winners never quit. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, I can. Yeah. And, and I can win somewhere else. Right. But you know? but I remember that moment, and it was you know that was my f- first thing I technically had quit because up until that point I was in the accumulation stage of like oh, I'll just take on another thing and take on another sure. thing and and I'll perfected get, and perfected yeah. and leaded and yeah. you know and I still have to watch that tendency yeah um, but I'm way better at. <laughs> doing what's mine to do versus what I feel is mine to do. Yeah. I was I was sitting with my, my son-in-law at my grandson's baseball game last night, and, and we were talking about something, and he goes, yeah, there's a lot of quitting that kid. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not a that, – I, I think we have to look at it as not always a bad thing. I mean, you can see that as maybe um, a character flaw, but how, do you remember Leo Buscaglia? Leo Boscalia was known as Dr. Love back in, God, I guess it was like the early 70s, somewhere around there. And he was a professor. He was a doctor. But his most popular course was one that that they didn't charge for. It was free. It was a course on love. Mm. And he was this kind of bombastic, warm, crazy Italian (laughs) Dr. Boscalia. Um, And he would tell the story about the – the educational system and how it was formed. And he used a bunch of different animals to make his point. One was um, a bird. One was a squirrel. One was a uh, a fish. You know, and, it, and everybody insisted on having their coursework in the educational system. The bird wanted flying. You know, the fish wanted swimming. Yeah. The squirrel wanted tree climbing, all that sort of stuff. And then he goes on to tell the story about how the bird ended up ultimately being unable to fly, use its own gifts because it was trying so hard to swim that it, you know, drowned or, you know. And the, right. And the, the fish trying to climb the tree, it, you know, lost his scales. He wasn't able to be a fish any longer. You know, it's that vibration that I'm talking about with the quitting. It's I'm not saying, like, go out and quit anything you want to right no. now. You know, you have – but you know your innate nature. Well, right. And I think you're getting at, like, there is a level of inner knowing mm-hmm. and discernment yeah. about this isn't for me. Right. And then there's the discernment of this is hard. Yeah. It is for me. Yeah. And, but I'm willing to work through the hard. Yeah. You know, because it's bringing me more joy. Yeah. More freedom. Yeah. Like some of the qualities versus more suffering, more shaving off of myself. Yeah. You know, more. Um, and I think it's such a poignant time. Like, you know, I'm even just l- reflecting on the last segment with you and, and how, like, it's like we're conditioned 
by many things in our society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are graduating. We're in the time of graduations. Um, and I know that's happening all the time, but mm-hmm. feels like May, June. Sure. Height of that. Yeah. Right. And we've sent our kids through. If your kids have been, my kids have, um, in an education, we've sent them through to be formed mm-hmm. in a sense. They're, they're, they're taught how to think. Yes. And how to behave and how to show up and how to, yeah, yeah, there's a and lot of. And what's acceptable and what's yeah. not acceptable. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're graduating and. Yeah. Now yeah. go out and carve your own path. Right. <laughs> like, wait, who am I? I just wish that there was more time for kids to, to, you know, kind of relax into the idea of like, who, who am I? Because I think that they know instinctively before. Mm-hmm. All that gets layered on them. They get into the situation where you get, you get, you are told by the educational system, you are told by your peer groups who you ought to be, what you ought to do, all that. I mean, it's kind of, you're told by your parents, you know, so you can see social media. Yeah, social media. Um, okay. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of a, a, a I, I hate to say this because I love teachers. I love teachers, and I know their hands are tied in many ways too, because mm-hmm. they have to follow a certain pattern in order to, you know, show that they're progress. accountable and to mm-hmm. progress and stuff. But kids inherently know who they are. I, I go back to my four grandchildren. It's even more obvious to me now, having four grandchildren, than it was having two daughters. Um, how each are born significantly themselves. Unbelievably. I mean, I have four grandchildren. The oldest is he has an engineering, small detail kind Mm -hmm. of a mind, and you cannot stop him from doing Mm -hmm. that. He finds such joy. Time goes by so easily with him. I have a granddaughter who just turned six who she knows exactly who she wants to be, and it's a variety of different things. So the older one seems to be kind of focused. The second one is like, I want to be an F1 driver. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a golfer. I want to be, I mean, it just goes on and on and on with her. So that's her paradigm. You know, I can do anything. And Sounds she, like she may have inherited some. Yeah. But if she, if she From uh, you. was, I mean, t- yeah, that, like, that like, you know, <laughs> imagination bit. and yeah. like wanting to try lots of yeah. things. But if I told her that she had to do what her younger brother and her other younger um, cousin wants to do, it wouldn't work at all. Because all they want to do is play with balls and trucks. Right. Period. All the time. If I you imagine how bored those little boys would be if I said, no, I'm sorry, you're going to have to um, do the ballerina thing today. They're like, no, I don't want to. You know, I mean, but mm-hmm. that's what we do in ed- educational systems is – we don't just offer kids the opportunity to try things. We tell them they have to be good at it. Right. You know, if they get a D, that's where the focus goes on the one the the one class mm-hmm. that they're not particularly interested or good at. And that pulls them down, their mm-hmm. average down, who, you know, their potential. It, where are they going to go to college? Where are they going to go to college? Yeah. Like, which is like, is that really the angle, or is the angle that we right. develop our whole selves and that we are able to think critically and curiously yeah. and know how to get the resources we need to make an idea, yeah, come into form and move through it? Yeah, I think six, success. And it's is, like I want, I want, you know, we have to figure out what success is in our for ourselves. Mm. And and we need to 
wonder more about what success is mm-hmm. for everybody else because mm-hmm. we have this need to define it mm-hmm. for other people. You know, it is the car and the house and the cabin and the boat and the two kids and the you know it's, I, we've got we've got to wonder more about what we're here to do rather than. Then, accumulate. And go like, oh, yeah, that's what everybody else is doing or that's what I've been told to do. So that's where I'm going to head. You know, we, we're much more brilliant than that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have <laughs> – you know when you're doing something that has joy for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that sense of <laughs> limitlessness. Totally. And, and connection and you don't need to worry about, about am I doing it right? It's just, hmm, you know? And I feel about so much of my life, especially, you know, school, for me, was try to fit in, try to fit into that paradigm, try to care that that's the square root of something, try to care, try to care that that's the chemical label for that particular thing. Other people would have been jazzed by it, but why did I have to? Why did I have to suffer in order to have the the ten percent of time where I could do what I wanted to do, what I was meant to do? Mm. You know. I know. How would you, how would you reframe that? Like, I, I don't, I, I just think that freedom has to be a part of the equation in some way and freedom, freedom time-wise in some ways, freedom choice-wise in other ways. I don't have a template for it, but I know what would have worked for me, mm-hmm. you know, and it wouldn't be that sense of being imprisoned by time and thought I needed to I needed to feel I needed to mm-hmm. have some time to go play in the dirt um you know not feel like I was cheating if I got sick and had to stay home and then you got punished cuz you needed to pick up the work and it just got you know everything just got hard mm-hmm. uh for me and other people I know it's not the case some people absolutely adored education and the educational system but it just wasn't built for me well, and you, you know, that, that sense of feeling I think is, has always been in the human experience, mm-hmm. but I think I, I know at times and I feel like I'm coming out of this, but it's like thought or intellect could override the feeling. Like you're, yes. you're supposed to like subdue that down and mm-hmm. the intellect, intellect was like sort of overriding but the more I allow my feelings and my sentient nature to be um, fully present, mm-hmm. the less I'm able to be, the, the more I'm seated in myself. And I, I think we're all sentient beings. And yeah. that level of feeling and expressing is really important as we move into this next phase of becoming mm-hmm. and you're always becoming and we're always becoming so what are you feeling in this moment that will allow you to become more of who you are and won't invite you to become less of who you are mm-hmm. because that really is the crossroads it feels like it's like what do you what do you want for your life do you want to end up at the end of your life going oh man i was i was a good girl <laughs> yeah. I I never I never you know stepped on anybody's toes and I never did what I wanted to do. I never did what I was. Yeah. What I was, you know, planted here to or do. Or never discovered who I was. 
Yeah. And I think that's the first step is just is just knowing that there is a journey to go on, you know, that there is a place to go and discover who you are. And it's in here. Right. It's going down. It's going. The the longest journey sometimes is from the head to the heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, What you wrote a second book after and then she sparkled. Yeah. It's called Peace In, Peace Out. And it's just very tiny little things that you can you can do and remember in your life um, that will invite you to to be kinder to yourself and kinder to other people and so you know it's just it's just a variety of could you read could you read a couple of them um just like maybe like Um, almost like a deck of cards open open a page and see where we fall (laughs) this is a short one for peace in on the left hand side of the page it says when you're feeling a little low put your hand over your heart and ask to feel your own love i swear i can feel my heart open I expect you will too. Hmm. And for peace out on that same opposite page, it says, respect the heart of others. Plato once said, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Choose, choose to see the vulnerable hearts in others and send them love. And then the very last, um, towards the very last, I just wrote, and this is speaking to our conversation, remember who you are, be who you are. That's the peace in and peace out. Share who you are. Change the world. I love it. So on one side, it's the peace in. one side, it's the peace out. Yep. And it says there's a journey to go on in this life. And I think the most powerful destination is not a country, not a lifestyle, not a bank account, but knowing and loving yourself. So um, it's just really simple, simple ideas. That's profound, though. But that's, I, it's in the same way I, I, I kind of promote quitting. I promote simple too. I think we've got a complexity is very fascinating, but simplicity is your key. It's your mm-hmm. entry point. Find well, a su- simple it's entry. It's sustainable, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm a big fan of the simple and the occasional quitting. <laughs> <laughs> and to know yourself. And to know yourself. I mean, it's, I mean, those are some three key, if we're going to leave our listeners with three key invitations. Yeah. Don't be afraid to quit. Mm-hmm. If it's not serving yeah. your nature. Love yourself. Mm-hmm. And so whatever that means, yeah. like let more and more of yourself show up mm-hmm. in those rooms. And the third one? Mm. Like, so, uh, what would the third one be? Uh, <laughs> know, know yourself. Know yourself. Be, be who you are. Be who you are. Know yourself. Share yourself. Yeah. Because that is what ultimately changes the world. If you if you start to understand who you are, it's like plugging yourself into an outlet, you know, rather than just kind of waiting around to see what somebody else wants of you. It's like plug yourself in mm-hmm. and see what you have to offer. Um, I'm still looking. Where can people find your books? Um, Amazon and um, TristanPublishing.com and then a variety of uh, little bookstores. Well, thank you for being in studio with us today, Joan Steffen and Elizabeth with Exploring Sovereignty. We speak with curious and conscious heart-centered thought leaders and their pathways to set themselves free. What's yours?